Hey, uh, welcome back to Writing is Hard Work. I'm Roger Colby. I'm an uh, indie writer at large, um, podcaster, bunch of stuff, teacher, stuff like that. So today I have a very special guest, uh, Jason Meiske. Jason lives up in the great state of Missouri, um, not far from good old Kansas City. Um, what's the name of that town again? That's Warnsburg. Warren, that's right, Warnsburg. <laughs> um, Jason and I met through a previous podcast uh, that I used to do with uh, with Ryan McKinley, the great Ryan McKinley, um, called uh, Fanboys on Fiction. And he listened to our podcast and he like emailed us. And um, I've been to AP Reading up in Kansas City. Got to actually hang out with him a little bit. Went to a concert. Up there with my son, popped through, uh, hung out with him a little bit at a restaurant. Fantastic little restaurant there on the main. It was nice. I, I love that little, <laughs> little strip down through there. It's pretty, pretty town. Um, so, Jason, we're you, you're uh, you're kind of like me in that we this is not our day job. It's like we're we're just doing this because we love it and we want to want to write stuff and get it out there people read it um yeah so i threw you a bunch of questions we're just kind of going to go through them okay so we go to the questions here um so first of all don't uh we we're not experts here we're just this is just our experience you know what we've been through we've done some stuff we've you know we have our everybody has their own processes um so what would be your usual process for writing um, do you ever like a routine or a place you like to go? I, I do. Yeah. Um, and, and first let me just say thank you so much for, uh, having me on. Is this, yeah, been, man. this is like a huge highlight for me. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's amazing how far back we go and, and now to <laughs> get to be on a, on a new Roger Colby show. I'm, I am just so thrilled to be here, man. So thank you. Oh man. The, the pleasure is all mine. I love talking to you. I don't get to <laughs> talk to you enough. So this is, this is really great. Well, my uh, my process, it, it's been an evolution over time. I used to think, you know, okay, I've got to have an office. I've got to have a desk. I've got to have all these things to be a real writer. Mm-hmm. And over time, I learned that, you know, actually, I can, I can spend more time doing nothing in my office, quote, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. than where, where I would do most of my writing, which is still at, like, the kitchen table, uh-huh. Or uh, now it's like first thing in the morning, I get up and I'll just sit in my chair and uh, pull up my laptop with my coffee. And first thing in the morning is when I'm, I'm freshest and I can just kind of pick up and it seems like I'm able to go right back to where I left off. Yeah. Um, I'm blessed to be able to pick up most times if, if I have the time to sit down and really get my mind connected to what I'm writing, then I can pick up after a little bit. But first thing in the morning, I can pick it up and usually just get going. Yeah, and you, you and I are the opposite because I'm like a late night guy. I, you know, <laughs> uh, I'll, I get up in the morning and all I can think about is getting in that classroom. Oh, yeah. So when I get home, it's like that goes away. It just melts. I cook some dinner. Um, I might read a little bit. Uh, I might pop on a show I want to watch, but that's frequently that's becoming more and more infrequent because I just don't really have much to watch on TV really anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, 
because those interests are going away. But I do read a lot. I read, read, and um, I, I try to leave all my work at school. I don't try to grade anything home because it's my time when I get home. And then once everything winds down, I've had a walk, maybe if it's not terribly cold. It's been pretty cold recently. Um, I'll sit in my recliner here, so I'm sitting doing this podcast, and I'll just pull the laptop out and just start writing stuff. You know? Yeah. Yeah, the evenings is when I like to edit. Cause oh, that's when yeah. I'm, that's when I'm tired, I'm worn down, uh-huh. and I, I, it's easy for me to get mad at what I wrote previously. And I can say, what the heck is this? Get rid of that. All right, I'll, what am I trying to say here? Oh, edit that. Get rid of it. Yeah, the biggest thing is not to edit while you're writing because that's the yeah. worst thing you could do to yourself. And yep. so I don't even edit until I'm done. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't even edit anything until I've written the last word of the book. Yeah, I'll wait until I'm at least through the first draft before I start to edit. So I, I guess when I'm writing something new, Mm-hmm. I will uh, much the same. If if my wife and I are going to watch something in the evenings, we'll watch something. But otherwise, I'm reading or uh, yeah, or we're doing something else. Uh, maybe. Do you do you find that like okay? So you your first book, uh, the hang on the title I have it here, and I should just remember it. But uh, um, the Mile Bridge Bridge, it's a bridge. Yeah, Nine book. Mile Bridge. Nine mm-hmm. Mile Bridge. That's right. Um, and then the second book that you have out is a novel idea, mm-hmm. um, which I can't wait to read this thing because <laughs> it's like it, it, the premise sounds really, really good, um, and you got this great blurb at the beginning here um, on the page. Um, but tell me, I want, and this is kind of off the cuff, I guess, because I sent you all these questions, and then I have, then you say stuff, and that yeah. makes me think of something. So. I was talking to the guy last week about um, about to Trey Trey Cabler last week um, about um, how our writing process changes mm-hmm. over time. Um, like my writing process when I was twenty five, and the stuff I wrote about when I was twenty five is like nothing like what I'm writing right now. Mm. You know? As a matter of fact, and this might shock you, Jason. Um, I'm working on two things right now and I'm trying to decide which one I want to just bolt down the, you know, open the chute and ride <laughs> to use a term we would both understand, uh-huh. um, or which one to reel in. Right. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, one of them is this traditional science fiction story from the perspective of a robot. Oh, Wow far in the future, who wakes up um, and finds out that it was turned into a fountain in the middle of a village. Okay. Hmm. And it's been, it's like the life giver, that's what they call it, this village, villagers, they call it the life giver, and it suddenly wakes up and pulls the tube out of itself that it was used to, used to spout the water out of its mouth. Mm-hmm. and uh, wakes up. So there's that one. And it's kind of a satirical story about about um, how history kind of just kind of repeats itself all the time. You know? Okay, yeah. The second one is not a science fiction story at all. Not at all. And that's okay. why I was saying it might shock you. It's not a science fiction story. It is more of if the Coen brothers 
wrote a novel. Okay, I'm with like you. a Big Lebowski or a, or Raising Arizona or something like that. It's got a lot of quirky characters, robbery, uh, you know, weirdness, um, weird catchphrases, <laughs> you know, uh, that repeat themselves. There's a lot of weird, quirky characters in it, but that's different. But what I want to know is like your process going and writing Nine Mile Bridge. Mm-hmm. Did you find any differences between that and when you wrote a novel idea? Uh, night and day, uh, because yeah. I began Nine Mile Bridge. I was still, uh, we were still stationed in Japan at the time. We were in the military. And uh, <clears throat> I thought, oh, well, whenever the idea came to me, I thought, yeah, this is something I'm familiar with. I could probably stick with this idea and actually get done with it because you know, like a lot of writers where I'd start something and set it aside, start something and set yeah. it aside and yeah. a drawer full of uh, ideas. <laughs> and um, I started it and got several chapters in and then we got orders. We were going to retire and came home uh-huh. and uh-huh. life got in the way for a few years until I was going to be a grandpa. And then I was like, Oh man, I was, I was supposed to be a successful author by now. <laughs> and, um, got back to writing it and working on it and uh yeah it, it took a while and you know when i got back to writing i'd found your show and you you and ryan answered some great questions from me um on you know giving me advice and such and it was so there was so much just exploration of who i am and how am i going to do this and learning the process mm-hmm. whereas novel idea i had the one book under my belt and um i'd actually finished another book um after after uh, nine mile bridge i'd finished another one a first draft of something but it's part of a series and i'm waiting until i have a, a few books ready um to put those out yeah. and in that one again that took me a little while to work on that mm-hmm. but uh, novel idea once i hit this idea i couldn't shake it and it just stuck with me and i started it for nanorimo and got about a third or so of the way through it before uh see this was late uh, 2018 so i was i was getting sick i got i got uh, pneumonia mm-hmm. and uh was sick there for a while before it finally cleared up in like february of the next year mm-hmm. and uh, once i got back into it i was able to finish it uh <laughs> I, I told the story a few times online i finished that story on the scrivener app on my phone Mm-hmm. waiting in the theater for Avengers Endgame to begin. <laughs> I had one of those days where I, I knew I had the day off and I'd been writing all morning just frantically. Uh-huh. I did like 6,000 words that day and it was just, it was coming out and I realized like, oh, I'm going to finish today. And then my wife's like, hey, we're, we're never going to get seats if we don't go now. I was like, no, you're right, you're right, you're right. Save and back it up. And then we go and we're waiting in line. I've got my phone out and I'm writing in line and just thumbs yeah. flying and had to <laughs> had to stop back up so I could save it. Okay, collect our popcorn, our drinks, we go sit down and my you know, my wife's watching the previews and I'm I'm usually glued to previews, but I I had yeah. to finish this so that I could enjoy Avengers. And yeah, I, I hit save and I showed, you know, typed out the end, hit save, and I showed it to my wife. She's like, Great, now shut up, the movie's starting. And like, <laughs> yes. And it was just it it came to me, um, just in such a rush where it was just, yeah. it had to come out um uh-huh. you know nine mile bridge was a passion project it was something i knew 
I could do. And it was that first book. So I wanted to do that as a, as a belief in myself that I could be a writer. Uh -huh. um, novel idea was the growth of what yeah. I've learned so far. And again, exploring myself a little bit more, which was a lot of fun with this book. Cool. Um, all right. So let's see. Um, so what are you working on right now? I'm back to work on the series. Yeah. Um, it's a sci-fi series, so you'll be interested. Cool. Uh, it is a, uh, I'm calling it the Bandit Chronicles. It's about <laughs> a, um, um, back in 1989, aliens invade the earth. Uh -huh. And uh, a boy goes into hiding. They have a friend who, uh, you know, we still had a lot of people back in those days uh, expecting the Russians to attack, yeah. you know, old Red Dawn. And so they had those days. Yeah, and so they had a neighbor that they knew of with a bunker under their house, and he hides he hides in there, and uh, for the first few years after the attack, he's just lived there with nothing but VHS action movies and video games to entertain himself, and that's how he's learning to battle the aliens. He needs to and have like a stockpile of Vienna sausages. <laughs> <laughs> that's all he eats is Vienna sausages. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. <coughs> oh, pardon me. Oh, uh, but uh, he comes out a few years later, and now he's uh, he's a tough guy, and he's he's got a he's a really crack shot uh, from practicing, and uh, yeah. um, he's learned fighting techniques by watching, you know, Highlander, and uh, that's awesome. you know, whatever. And so you know, yeah. he's slicing off heads. There can be only one. That's great, uh, dude. Because um, you know, one book that I really love is mm -hmm. uh ready player one yeah <laughs> because it had all that stuff that i grew up with as a kid mm -hmm. in there you know little references to all those video games and yeah all those books and movies and stuff that i really loved um and that sounds like it was like it would hit on that kind of a cylinder i hope so i hope so i'm, I'm trying to I had stuff that I wanted to enter in, you know, 80s references here and there, movie quotes, and, mm -hmm. you know, uh, just shoot first and you okay, know, boring conversation anyway. Here's one for you. You need to have in there somewhere, because my one of my favorite lines from any 80s movie is from uh, the uh, Escape from New York. Okay. Every time people run into Snake Plissken, they always ask him the same thing. It's said like eight or nine times in the movie. And if you oh. don't watch, you'll miss it. It's, I thought you were dead. Yes. <laughs> That's a good so idea. That would be, yeah. It's like every time they see him, it's like, I thought you were dead. Um, I, I don't have a snake Pliskin, but I do have, uh, it's all in the reflexes. Oh, dude. There. Yeah. That's <laughs> such a great line. Um, okay, cool. So that sounds like fun. Yeah, um, so I, I'm planning on a uh, what I've learned is called a uh, quick release program. I'm going to mm -hmm. put the first three books together, and I have an overarching storyline in the first three books about family and mm -hmm. and finding family outside of your immediate family. Yeah. Um, and of course, in a post-apocalyptic world, you know, it's it's uh, the people around you, and uh, I want to tie these that theme up in the first three books, and then I'll put them out like a few weeks or a month or so apart. Awesome. Once I have those first three books, I'm hoping to have it done this year. I'm, 
about two thirds of the way now through the uh, second book, and then uh, I'll cool. begin on the third one. Yeah, um, I, I did that. Uh, I think my second, it was my second book, was a post-apocalyptic story, mm-hmm. and I kind of did the same thing as far as like just getting it all out at once. Mm-hmm. I did three books in one, and now it's just a volume. You can just get it as a volume. It's uh, this broken earth, and it was just like a, but it was. It was weird because I was I'm in love with Faulkner, so yeah. I wrote this thing that had it had a each chapter was a different character's voice. So okay, it's yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah kind of like As I Lay Dying, where each character speaks. You know, you kind of get the story a little bit from each person as you're going. Um, so uh, yeah, I've, I've got a little experience writing those post-apocalypse. They're fun. Man, post-apocalyptic stories are fun, and there's not enough of them out there. There's not enough really good ones out there, honestly. Um, to there's some there's some good ones. There's some uh, some people like uh, oh, what's that one where um, Wool is really oh, yeah. great. If you haven't uh-huh. read that, I um, need to. That's on my list. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. It is fantastic. You know, the the fun thing about writing. Yeah, you know, in this case, it's like near—I uh, don't know—you know, I guess you'd almost call it near future post-apocalyptic, because it's just within a few years after. Yeah, it's like alternate history. Had, yeah, and the fun thing there was been deciding. It, it took me forever to determine which year I wanted it to—the initial attack to begin—and I was basing it on what movies are available, and you know, having to kick myself like, okay, well, if I do '89, I got Batman, and I've got. Uh, let's see, yeah, there's Lethal Weapon 2 and Indiana Jones. And, yeah. Okay, yeah. Oh, but man. Yeah, Ghostbusters 2. Yes, I, I mean, everything prior to that. And then, but then as I start thinking like, oh, man, but if I if I do that, I'm going to miss out on Young Guns 2 the next year in 1990. Yeah. I'm going <laughs> to It goes on and on. I'm like, oh, gosh, there's just so many things. Total recall. You know, it, it, it yeah. never ends. And yeah. I finally had to just go like, okay, write it off. This is the ending of it here. Maybe, maybe. Oh, here's an idea though. Okay, I'm just gonna spinball. I'm just gonna <laughs> spitball this, but maybe he goes on a quest to find new movies, <laughs> and he goes and finds like a print of Young Guns Two, <laughs> and yeah. finds a theater, and like runs it for himself, and sits in there by himself watching it, and then gets attacked, like in the middle of the movie. And he's like spewing out lines <laughs> <laughs> as he's, you know, crack shot, killing all yeah. the aliens. That would be really, that would be really funny. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I've uh, got uh, his, he has an older brother who ran or didn't run, but worked at uh, the local theater. He was the uh, film guy back when we you'd have to build the films to uh, play them. And okay. <clears throat> so he got to go see movies all the time anyway. And, his brother heard that there might be a young guns too coming and then maybe filming it now, you know, so there's always those rumors and I'll play with that kind of stuff. And uh, fun. there's a, uh, there was, <laughs> I have a little uh, play with him and some of uh, the other characters over uh, code names. Once he meets uh-huh. the resistance, once he comes out of hiding and he does meet the resistance and everybody calls him bandit because he drives a black trans am and, um, and so on. He's like, Oh, I kind of saw myself as like, you know, Magnum. And the line is, oh, well, there's already a Magnum out in California. And yes. we don't know who that is yet, but we'll see one of these days, I think, uh, find out who that is. <laughs> yeah. 
All right. So let's, that's really great, man. Um, once you get into that world and you start like, you know, really exploring it, it's a lot of fun, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So let's see here. All right. So the next question on there, you want to read it or, uh, yeah. Uh, the, uh, creating compelling characters. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you go about like creating really compelling characters? Um, I, you know, the thing I've learned is I need to have a character that you can in some way relate to. Um, it's important for the reader uh, to be able to relate to that character in some way. And I've, I've found a lot of value in, in that, even in the, the bad guys. Mm-hmm. If they can have a point of view, something you can go, well, you know, they're not wrong. I wouldn't go about it that way. Uh, you know, because clearly it's a demented point of view, but what they're trying to do is, is uh, you know, yeah. We, this, this seems to be like a recurring, recurring bit of advice that I hear all the time too. Because, um, like we talked about this last week with uh, Trey Cabler, and that compelling characters like villains have to have like a logical reason why they're doing what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um every villain has a logical reason why they're doing what they're doing. Even if it doesn't make sense to you, Mm -hmm. um, they are bound and determined to do this thing. It's like you think about, um, well, you think about like, uh, I don't know, think of a villain. Oh, well, uh, like Joker in the dark Knight. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, he's nuts, but he believes that he's an agent of chaos and that chaos is the way to do things. Yeah. And the only way that you're going to have any kind of peace in the world is if you just strip away all the layers and go, this is the truth. Yeah. You know, and that chaos does that. Chaos brings about that truth, that raw truth um, that people don't want to talk about because of polite society, you know. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it yeah. makes sense why he is the way he is because in his mind, this is his his truth, his justice. Um. And, and it's the same way, I think, for like, uh, you know, uh, your hero, your hero has to have something about them that makes you fall in love with them and makes you kind of root for them. Mm-hmm. You know, even if it's Guillermo March from, you know, my uh, space trilogy, <laughs> yeah, who's a horrible person. <laughs> yeah, he's, right. He's like the last human on, in existence. And you would think, oh, well, they'd be benevolent. They would do wonderful things for others and show what humanity is really all about. And he's just like really bad and <laughs> selfish and doesn't care about anybody, you know, and he's just out for himself. Yep. But in the end, he does show his humanity in the final book. He does sacrifice himself for the rest of human, of the human existence, human, humankind. So, right. um, you know, the, I think that the, the characters can start out like that. They can start out, being selfish and being a jerk and that kind of stuff. I mean, why do we like Captain Mal from Fire Firefly mm-hmm. so much? He's just kind of a <clears throat> horse's rear, you know? But yeah, he, exactly. He's a lovable horse's rear. <laughs> <laughs> and what makes him lovable is that he really does care about his crew. You know? Exactly. He, um so, you know, I mean that's that might be it. Um Let's see, let me go to this next question here. Um, so what authors inspire you? 
And 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 if so, who are they and why? Um, the uh, the author that's been inspiring me for some time now would be uh, Robert McCammon. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, we were talking about the stand earlier from uh, yeah. from Stephen King. Uh-huh. The alternate. It, it seems like you're either and these are things I never knew about until I really got into the writing world. You're either a King fan or a McCammon fan. And uh, is it what it seems like? Because you're either the stand hey, or hey, I'm I'm both, dude. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I really too. like them both. Yeah, but... and I I've read his uh, oh gosh uh, the um, his book of uh, that's people called it the, his uh, his stand um, Swan Song. Yeah, uh, which was just amazing. Um, and I need to read the stand just not for comparison, but just because I want to hear read that story too. But Swan Song. Um, you know, boy's life. Uh, mm-hmm. The the book of his that got my attention was um, the Wolf's Hour. Yeah. Uh, you know, you got a were a werewolf, and he's a World War II super spy like James Bond, except he's a werewolf. Yeah. And it's just that idea, that concept of like, wow, that's quite the twist, and bringing two different things together like that just kind of uh-huh. threw me in. I was like, okay, I need to check out what else this guy's written, and you know. Imagine my surprise to find out how late to the party I was like 10 years ago when I first read Wolf Sour and I find out, holy cow, this guy's got a lot of stuff. Yeah. He's, uh, he's really something. He's no, uh, uh, you know, brand new spring chicken. Uh-huh. Uh, so <laughs> reading all of his other books, it's, they just really touch me in a way of, man, I, I want to write this way. And I, I try to read one or two of his a year and, uh, and get caught up. I, I read, um, the uh, uh the walk um uh something like that it's like the walk i don't think i've read that one man uh last year uh, was one of them that i read and, and that was another one they all have this very spiritual mm-hmm. uh feel about them that i really enjoy as well but mm-hmm. just whether it's the bad guy the villain or it's the good guys um even some of the side characters you find yourself really uh feeling what they're going through and your heart mm-hmm. going out to them and you want the best for them. And, and, uh, you know, you, you cry when you lose one of them. And yeah, I, man. I really look to get there one day, I hope. Well, it's funny you say that. I think something you bring up is like, you know, you, you talk about the spiritual side of that. And uh, I think that what draws us to certain writers are writers that, um, express things that we have deep feeling about you know um Mm -hmm. you and i both have a pretty deep faith yeah um and uh that faith uh informs a lot of the things we do and a lot of things we write and i find that even in my crazy space trilogy that i wrote that honestly has no mention of god or anything like that in it um except maybe that there's a code written into people's DNA. This is the weirdest one of all. There's a code written into people's DNA that is basically just the fabric of the universe, which is then the Bible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's oh, like yeah. written on your DNA. And they wrote it on the DNA to keep it safe. <clears throat> yeah. Um, and, but, uh, and that's, I know, there's a lot more to it. It sounds really strange <laughs> and it's bizarre. It was but amazing. That, it was a great that, twist. I loved it. But um, but then, you know, I was like, well, how is this? Um, 
that was me trying to do it, right? Mm-hmm. But me not trying to do it was the whole Christ imagery at the very end where he like gives his life up for everyone so yeah. that they can have freedom in paradise. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, I didn't realize that till later on. And I think that whenever you read, like I'm reading right now, I read the bit where they have to leave um, stew in the bottom of the ravine. Um, there's a bit where they have to like leave. It's after um, mother Abigail passes and in the stand. Yeah. And they, they have to journey to Las Vegas to make their stand. You know, she tells them, you have to go to make your stand. And they're on their way there, and there's this ravine that they find. It's basically a big crack in the ground because there's an earthquake or something. Mm-hmm. And they have to crawl down inside it and then crawl back out. It's very dangerous. And as they're crawling out, at the very last, Stu falls and breaks his leg. I mean, like a compound fracture. It's bad. Yeah. And they all have to leave him there. And that bit where he starts talking about how he will be their sacrifice or whatever, it's not really very, it's very artfully done in the way, way King does it. Mm-hmm. But it's very like, it's very spiritual. And whenever you read it, I just get, I get, I tear up every time I read that. Yeah. I tear up yep. every time I read uh, Boromir, you know, getting filled full of arrows, and he's telling Aragorn, you're my king. Yeah. You know, I mean, there, there are things that we, that we read that draw us. We read things that we are drawn to, and we don't realize why we're drawn to them. But I think it's because there are deep things within us in our, in our soul that draw us to those things. And we, yeah. do, and we write about those things. And I think a lot of times I'm trying not to be anymore. I used to be really heavy handed about how I worked that in. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. But now I just let things flow and I just let things kind of congeal and become. And I don't, it happens. It just happens. Yeah. It's like you asked, you ask like C.S. Lewis, like, okay, well, you're writing a Christian allegory. And he goes, no, I'm not. I'm writing a story. <laughs> yeah. And he flat will tell you that. And he said that in letters. And um, to, Talking said the same thing. You know, you can go, oh, oh, the ring is sin. You know, and the, you know, the, the Mordor is hell. And, you know, that, that sacrifice that's made is the Christ story and all this stuff. And you ask talking, he's like, no, I was just writing a story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he totally denied it, like to yeah. his death. He was like, no, it's not about Christianity. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, you know, <laughs> there's, there's, there's things there, dude, you know. Yeah, but, exactly. uh But yeah, okay, cool. Do <laughs> um, you have anything to add to that? or? No, I, I, I agree. I mean, it's, it's uh, I, I think, as we progress as, as writers, um, learning to tap into, I, I guess, just trusting ourselves, trusting our ability to tell the story is, mm-hmm. is when it comes out. Uh, when we force it, yeah. you know, then it feels that way. It's going to read that way. But yeah, whenever we just trust ourselves to just tell the story, relax, just let it go. And then, you know, later on, People are telling you things. The the young man who read uh, my new book, uh, he read it twice and then wrote me his uh, his ideas on 
what needs fixed or whatever. And he was like, Oh man. And this whole theme of this and this, and it was just great. And I'm going, yeah, that's exactly what I was going for. Thank See, you. Yeah, that's funny. Because <laughs> like just talking to you here is like, I'm learning because when I'm, when I said that, it's just something I just realized yeah. in my head mm -hmm. as we're sitting here talking about this, you just verbalize it like, Oh yeah, you don't have to, to really try hard. You just have to tell the story. Just tell the story. Exactly. Yeah. Everything. It's like this interview. You and I both have done this now for a while, and mm -hmm. you don't even have, always have to have uh, a list of questions, especially when you get with somebody that you know well enough, like what yeah. you and I do. We yeah. can just riff on it and have a good time. And sure. And uh, even whenever it's somebody that you don't know, I sometimes, uh, you know, because I've got on, on my shows, I'm meeting these authors and I'm like, you tap into something and you're like, Oh my gosh. All right. Where are we going from here? Cause this is interesting. Oh, and let's talk about that yeah. podcast, that little podcast of yours. Cause you've had some people. On <laughs> yeah. You've thank had, you. <laughs> you've had some people on there. There've been I a few am, names that really surprised me. Sat down and talked. To you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, really. That, you've had some really good guests. Uh, if you don't know, uh, Jason also does this awesome podcast called, sample chapter podcast and what he does is he has these authors on there and they just read a sample chapter from their book and then they talk about the book yeah and 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 he gets people okay tell just drop some names <laughs> drop some names because you've had most some. yeah most recently lou diamond phillips yeah uh, which just floored me and that was just a total chance on twitter i had no idea he was even writing a book <laughs> and all of a sudden i just it was one of those moments where you know the universe and the stars everything lined up just right and I, he just yeah. posted about oh yeah my book's coming out at this time and i was like why not i'm gonna ask oh, man just you gotta come ask. on the show and yeah and uh talk about the book and you can read from it and he was like yeah that's great here you go and here's my uh, people you can reach out to me and i was like <laughs> oh you gotta be kidding me and yeah whenever i whenever I, I wrote to them and then when they wrote back and said yeah we're gonna set this up i was just like Oh my gosh, like talk about young guns, you know, it's just you'd be surprised. All you have to do is like like if you have if they're on Twitter or whatever, just DM them on Twitter and just uh, just oh, yeah. hey, what do you we want a podcast? I do this podcast about writing. Mm -hmm. And um yeah. I'm I'm mine is easy because I, I'm indie writers and they're always wanting to get the you know, a little bit of, you know, publicity. Yeah. Um but you know, um I wouldn't mind interviewing <laughs> that guy. I mean, good grief, Lou Diamond Phillips, man. Oh, I tell you. I mean, you know, I, really... was, I was so nervous. I'd had a few authors before that uh -huh. were, uh, you know, bestsellers. Steve Alton yeah. was another yeah. one of them who I was just over the moon talking to. And I mean, I I was, I picked up his his book. My wife got it for me when, uh, when The Meg first came uh -huh. out back in 98. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. You know, so just talking to him was amazing. But Lou, I was, you know, it's there's that next level to it because of him being a, a actor and celebrity. So I was uh -huh. so nervous. And uh, I'm, I'm like, okay, I'm fine. I'm going to be fine. I'm going to be fine. And I see him log in and the butterflies are building up, but his camera's <laughs> not on. And I can hear him and his wife and they're chatting. And then she says, and I don't think he'll mind me saying this because we laughed about it, but I hear his wife saying, uh, okay, now whenever this is done, don't forget you got laundry. And he was like, yes, ma'am, I know. And that just, that moment just put me totally at ease. It's like, okay. Dude, they're just yeah. people. They're just they're people. They're just people, yeah. Like you and me, that have had, but they've had things happen to them that are yes. more public. 
Oh you gosh, know? he laughed so hard about that. I we, I told him afterwards about that that bit, and he laughed so hard. He goes, <laughs> "Dude, I'm outside picking up the dog poop and walking the dog and washing dishes." And yeah, he goes, "Yep, I'm putting my pants on one leg at a time. It's no big deal." Yeah, yeah. Um, like uh, you know, um, my son is a big fan of David Lynch, the director David Lynch, mm -hmm. made Twin Peaks and stuff like that. Yeah, and that guy does. <laughs> He's a he's a he's a weirdo, okay, but he's he's a genius. We all know he's a genius. He does a daily a daily uh, YouTube where oh, wow. he just does the weather, <laughs> and he just says today is what? He's a weird guy. He's like a weird way he talks. He's like today is February. Did today's today is February twenty fourth, twenty twenty one, and the weather. It's about 50 degrees here, and it's going to be 70 today. You should get out and enjoy it. And that's it. And he does it every <laughs> single day. Oh my but he's like, he's like a normal guy, too, because he's, he's got one YouTube thing where he talks about fixing stuff around his house. <laughs> you know, here's a guy that's worked with people like, I don't know, good grief. He's worked with these major mm -hmm. studios and stuff, and he's just a guy. <laughs> he's just a guy. Yep. Okay, so... um. Let's see. What was another? another okay. Um, how do you? Will, oh yeah. How do you get I, your stuff in front of uh, 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 readers? That's a, that's the thing. Oh man, you know that's that's the thing. Uh, all of us authors want to know, and it's it's something I'm still learning today. Mm -hmm. uh, it's part of the reason I created the show in the first place was to uh, for myself and to help other authors get uh, word out about their books beyond their immediate family and friends. And, Mm -hmm. You know, you're not just on Facebook screaming, you know, buy my book. Um, <laughs> or Twitter. Yeah, or Twitter. Yeah, those exactly. people are just constantly plugging their book all the time. Like, oh, just, just all the time. something normal. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, you just uh, getting out of your comfort zone. I mean, we're already doing it once by writing and then sharing that work. Mm -hmm. uh, but getting outside the comfort zone by doing maybe a podcast or going whenever this comes back and we can go someplace and do a book signing, mm -hmm. um, those kinds of things. And what I've been, what I like to do is try to identify some of the other themes in your book. Say there's a character who is a rare car collector or he likes, mm -hmm. uh, you know, certain cars. We'll see if you can go to a car show and, yeah. uh, you know, set up a table for your book there. Mm -hmm. Um, different things like that. Uh, just, you know, be willing to get outside your comfort zone and uh, share it and talk to other authors, uh, have some build friendships with uh, other writers and yeah. um, that way they can help share it as well. But uh, libraries are your friend and uh, bookstores are your friend. And yeah. Um, you, you talk about social media. I mean, it's, it is what it is, but it's not really the way to do it. You know, it becomes um, an echo chamber. It does. I mean, you're, you're just going to spew. And, that, you know, there's all these like hashtags like <clears throat> writing <throat> community and all this stuff. I mean, you can you can go ahead and tweet that out and maybe you might get some hits off of that. But really, when you press the flesh, that's when you start really getting people noticing yeah. like what you're doing. And um, that leads me to like conventions. I've done some conventions. I've gone to like different things like that and set up a table and you know, paid my money and, and, mm -hmm. and hawked my books and stuff and just talked to people and stuff. And I've found that those are like the best, that's one of the best ways to really get 
you know, a book in somebody's hand because they're going to go home and read it and maybe write a review. And that's what yeah. you need. You need people reviewing it. Exactly. You need people like going on there and going, hey, here's this <laughs> review. Because then you can take that review and you can put it on your website, mm -hmm. you know, or whatever. But I think as much exposure as you can get anywhere is good. Um, yeah. Absolutely. And, uh, I don't know. We could talk about SEO and all that other stuff, you know, about websites. <laughs> and, but it's it, really, honestly, I am not really that concerned about being a bestseller. You no, know? Yeah. I'm not. Either. I don't care about that. Because um, <clears throat> that is going to bring with it other things. And, man, I just read an article just yesterday. Or was it today? I posted it. I posted it on Twitter. Um <laughs> It was an article about um, the truth about traditional uh, publishing for authors that they don't make much money at all off of it. Yeah. It's the it's the publishing company that makes all the money. Mm -hmm. So honestly, if you're selling a decent amount of books a month as a as an indie writer, and when I say decent, I'm saying you're selling five or six books a month, maybe. Yeah. You know, that's, that's a lot to hope for, for, for an indie writer, especially if you don't have a website, you don't have a podcast, you don't do all that other stuff, and you're just trying to get your stuff out there and trying to figure it out. Right. Um, you're actually making as much money as somebody who is already published traditionally. And so if money is the thing you're worried about that you really want to do this, you're probably doing it for the wrong reasons. You know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, really, what I really enjoy about writing this stuff is, well, first of all, I'm a huge nerd when it comes to, like, just text <laughs> and, <laughs> and dialogue and all that stuff. And I just geek out on it myself without anybody being in the room. But when somebody reads your book and then they come to you or they email you or they text you or they just go on Twitter and DM you or something and say, hey, I really like that. That was really fun. Yeah. Um, that's Especially when it's somebody you don't know. Yeah, man. When it's somebody <laughs> you don't even know. Like yeah. when Ryan and I got that email from you when we were doing that podcast, we got that email from you, we are <laughs> yeah. like, dude, okay, cool. So we just like, hey, that's great. You know, and eventually we got a decent – Eventually, we got like a decent guest on the show. We got uh, we interviewed some guy. I don't even remember his name. He's a screenwriter. He's written a ton. Oh of yeah. And we interviewed uh, him. That was a big deal for us. We were super nervous. I remember that. That was a, a good show. Screenwriter, and he'd written a ton of like screenplays. And mm -hmm. We were just like, oh man, this guy's big. How did he find us? You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> who are we? You know, and um, but. Really, I think it just takes just jumping out there, man. You just got to jump out there and try stuff. Yeah. And, and see what happens. <clears throat> I mean, you, you know, I think about that story, you know, we talked about Stephen King. But I think about that story about Stephen King tells about when he was a kid and he was writing these short stories. And this guy was, he should have been, I should have been doing what he was doing. And I probably would be Stephen King. But Stephen King, when he was 15 years old, he started writing the same age that I did. Okay, and he'd send off to contests constantly, yeah. magazines constantly. He mailed stuff off every single week. He would have a short story or something he would send off, 
and he would get rejection notices. Mm-hmm. And he took a big nail and he nailed it in his, be- his bedroom wall. And every time he got one, he would stick that thing. He would take that rejection notice. He would just stick it on that nail. Yep. And he said that so he got so many of them that he pulled the nail out of the wall. <laughs> it just fell out of the wall. It had so many rejection notices on it. It just got too heavy and it just fell out of the wall. Mm-hmm. And he stuck another, a bigger nail and just kept at it. And eventually, and he went on with his life too. I mean, he, he was an English teacher. He worked in a small school in uh, Maine. Um, he was, you know, he taught for, gosh, 10 years as a teacher. Yeah. Until finally, somebody took a chance on him and published Carrie. And the rest is history, you know? Yeah, exactly. But he'll say this. He'll say this. And I've watched interviews with him. He said he feels like he was struck by lightning. That's how, that's how he feels about being mm-hmm. a bestseller. Mm-hmm. It's like getting struck by lightning. He said, your chances of being a bestseller um, are a lot less than actually being struck by lightning statistically. <laughs> you, yeah. You, and, you know, and, and I think that's the thing is just keep at it. Just mm-hmm. keep going because every time, every time we write a book, we're thinking this is the best thing I've ever written. Yeah. And if you keep going, the next one will be even better and then right. even better. And, and eventually, yeah, you get that. Stephen King struck by lightning moment, hopefully. And then people are like, hey, what? You know what? There's so many writers like, okay, I think about Charles Portis. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Charles Portis, one of my favorite writers, um, wrote True Grit. You all know about True Grit. You've probably seen the movie, Mm -hmm. both of them. You know? Um, First one was completely off. The second one was Closer with one piece that was completely off. And I think Portis would probably be like, Portis was not happy with the first version, by the way. Yeah. Because uh, that's a whole other story. Anyway, (laughs) but um, Portis languished in obscurity forever. Mm -hmm. His books didn't sell at all. As a matter of fact, his publisher, he went through three publishers because they were like, your books don't sell. (laughs) You write these weird books that nobody wants to read. He would. He was a newspaper guy. He, would, he was a newspaper reporter. He would go on vacation. He would go down to his cabin in southern Arkansas, and he would write these books. Mm-hmm. He'd sit there in the summer, and he'd write one. And then he'd get it published, and somebody would publish it, you know. And then it was, and he would always sign that non-exclusivity. He wouldn't go for the exclusivity. He was like, I'm not doing that. It's another thing they do to you when you try to publish Traditionally, as they go, you're going to publish with our publishing house no matter what next time. Yeah. If we don't like your book, we're not publishing it. And it's just like you keep doing it. You keep sending them book after book, and they just, oh, we don't like that. We don't like that. And then you're just like, where are you? You've got this book that nobody's ever going to read, except maybe yeah. your wife or whoever yeah. that you give it to. Mm-hmm. Um, but he did. He languished in obscurity forever. And, man, his other books are so much better than True Grit. <laughs> yeah <laughs> I mean my favorite book by him is Norwood and if you haven't read Norwood you need to go out and read that that is a study in how to write a great story I mean and it's about a former marine that goes home I don't know how he comes up with this stuff 
goes home to his hometown in Texas to take care of his invalid sister. When he gets there, he finds out he's, he's not an invalid anymore. She got married to some guy named Bill Burr. Bill Bird. <laughs> Bill Bird. Bill Bird is this guy, this little short Danny DeVito looking guy. And he can't stand Bill Bird. And Bill Bird's like written, he's like in the bathtub. And one of the favorite, one of my favorite lines of the thing is this. He could not stand the idea of Bill Bird's buttocks sliding around on the bottom of the tub that he installed. (laughs) (laughs) But he ends up going on this journey and he meets a talking chicken and it, it's bizarre. It's Mm -hmm. so good, but it is a study in writing a great story. It really is. Anyway, yeah, and how do you this not? This is your interview. Just kept I'm going. Just talking. Well, but still, I mean, yeah, I mean, but you make a great point. Is it, had he not kept going and eventually gotten true yeah. grit, we would never know about Norwood. You know, maybe. exactly, exactly. And, and still, people don't know. know about Norwood. Yeah. Now they do. They listen to this, but I mean, dude, you need to read Norwood. It's yeah, and we'll have to check that out. Yeah, you know, it's like. It's a, I was so thrilled to find out that you're you're back into writing again because you know there's going to come this day where you know it's like hey you had Roger Colby on your show and you were on his show and yeah oh man hey have you read Transgression Box you got to check that out which by the way is my worst <laughs> book it is the worst man I need to go back and rewrite that one oh, but you know it was such a great idea it was so. Uh, it was a novel idea, is what it was. I mean, it was, <laughs> it was a novel. Nice <laughs> plug was, there. It was, a, yeah, it was, it was um, a good idea and a lot of fun. And, I mean, you never know how you're going to affect other people. True. Uh, you know, true. And this is yeah. a great example of it. I mean, I was struggling to – I had no idea what I was doing to get back into writing. And all I've got is, like, you know, four or five chapters that I kept rewriting. Mm-hmm. And I thought – all right, well, there's this new thing called podcast that uh, maybe there's something I can find that would be interesting and help me learn a little bit. Mm-hmm. Hey, what's this? Uh, here's a little show called Fanboys on Fiction. Hitting two <laughs> things I really like, and you guys gave great advice. You, you wrote back and inspired me. Uh, I found a local writing group because you guys told me I should look for that. And like the next day in the paper was an ad about the local writers of Warrensburg meeting. And it was just, there was That's so much so divine cool. intervention going on. Yeah. And I was like, you know, and I mean, I wouldn't have looked for that had I not been listening to your show. And then, you know, here we are, you know, later on, you're, you're writing again. I'm so thrilled about that. I have a show of my own. It's 160 plus episodes in so far. And yeah, I know mean, my second book just came out and it's just like, you never know where you're going to be mm-hmm. or who you're influencing um, in the background. Yeah. And it, it's just don't give up. Yeah. Well, I do appreciate that because, um, man, right after Shibboleth Code hit, uh, I started into some pretty serious and awful personal struggles that happened to me. Um, and it was just life happened. Mm -hmm. And, um, I mean, I I don't, I don't really talk about it because it, it, you know, it's, it's pretty personal, but, um, but it was bad. I mean, if you can imagine what would be the worst thing that happened to you as a parent, I mean, besides your child dying. I mean, there there, there were some things that happened to us <laughs> that were pretty catastrophic. And um, I really had to take a step back for a little while and just focus on that. And um, now that that's kind of smoothed out a little bit and it's better, and God's kind of moved us through that choppy waters, um, 
waters are still just a little bit still choppy in some places, but uh, I just need to go back to doing it again because honestly, it was God made me realize. And I'm just going to say that <laughs> God made me realize my podcast um, <laughs> that I just man, I just that's the thing that really gives me peace is sitting and writing stuff. Mm -hmm. It's therapeutic uh, for me, you know, creating these things and creating these places and worlds and stuff. It, it is therapeutic for me to do that. Yeah. And um, I need that in my life. And if I don't do it, I think I'm going to go crazy. Cause I mean, while I was going through all that stuff, there were things that were happening, um, you know, on the outside there. I was like, man, I was writing this stuff down. I was like, oh, that would make a good book. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, I can't do that right now because my, my headspace is not there. Um, but I think I had to come around to the idea that, you know, this, and, and, you know, sitting and doing this podcast with you, doing the podcast last week, I'm going to say that. It was yesterday, but for my <laughs> last week. <laughs> Um, it's the podcast with uh, yes, the podcast <laughs> um, with 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 Trey. We hit on some stuff like this, like you know, you need to do this because it's part of you. Mm -hmm. If you don't, you're gonna. It's like Jack White says, "If I don't make music, I'm gonna go crazy." Yeah, and 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 it's true. It really is true. I found that the nights that I've sat down and I've I've started cranking stuff out, I look up and it's like one o'clock. Oh wow! And I'm like, oh my gosh! I didn't, I didn't realize that I was doing this this long. <laughs> you know, it's and when you find something you love. I mean, it's like they say: some people golf. <laughs> I don't understand that at all. If you golf, I'm sorry. Um, but you know, some people golf. Some people do this other stuff. But some people write things, and that's just what I do, man. You know. Mm -hmm. So yeah, and and I mean it's. Yeah, there, there's hobbies and there's things that we like to do. It's our passions. Uh, I'm fortunate to have a lot of them. I mean, mm -hmm. I'm just I'm just writing and, and podcasting in hopes of making enough money to fish more one of these days and free <laughs> yeah. me up to go fishing. So, <laughs> so that'll happen one of these days. You never know. Yeah. One of these days, man. We'll probably be retired when that happens. You'll be like, yeah, retired. Hopefully so. <laughs> um. Man, uh, okay, so final thing. Let's, let's wrap this thing up here. Final thing is, is there a genre you've always wanted to try? Uh, Westerns. Yeah. yeah. I love Dude. Westerns. I've always loved Westerns. I have ideas for Westerns. I have this, I have but, this uh, weird uh, science fiction Western idea. Yeah. That I've been holding on to for a while. <laughs> and I think, I think I'll probably make a series out of it because my dad and I were Western junkies and um, I just really love that period of history. I love that idea mm -hmm. of I mean, because good grief, we're, I'm from Oklahoma. I mean, crying for crying out loud. I mean, yeah. The West, the wild West was here. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, shoot Kansas city. Good grief, man. Um, I'm sure Williamsburg was, or Warrensburg, oh, yeah. sorry, Warrensburg. Yeah. I'm sure Warrensburg was a uh, hotbed of <clears throat> saloons and <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, like everywhere that. you but, go around here is all Jesse James was uh, slept yeah. here and did this or that. And, 
Well, she here in Oklahoma, um, Annie Oakley. Um, gosh, there were so many people that hit out down in the. Uh, actually, Jesse James did mm-hmm. hit out down in uh, Devil's Den down in Tishomingo, Oklahoma. Uh, it was a hideout down there where they they hung out, and apparently they buried a bunch of stuff down, there and people have been looking for it forever. <laughs> I don't think they'll ever find they'll ever find it, but uh, but apparently they buried a bunch of money and stuff down there it's probably all rotted and raccoons <laughs> have eaten it but um but man yeah i would i would i'm right there with you i think i would like to write a western someday but my yeah. western it would be it would be something that would be have that sci-fi element to it it would it would definitely it would definitely have that but I've got I've got this idea for this character that is just like I've had this character for a long time. I've had him for a long time. Yeah. And he is a he is a tough, tough guy. I mean, he really is a tough guy. <laughs> and I think I think people would because see, I don't know about you, but you know, you you're from a small town. Mm-hmm. You you know those guys, right? Oh yeah. There's those guys. And I've seen this. I watched a guy one time, a relative of mine, <laughs> pick up an anvil by the horn with one hand and set it over on another table just to get it out of the way for a minute. Like it was nothing. Like it was just like he does it every day. Oh, wow. Right? Yeah. And, and it, it makes me think about like uh, there's a book called Time timeline is it it's by michael Crichton. he wrote this book called timeline and these people go back into the middle ages and what they discover about these people in the middle ages is that you know they wore this suit of armor and stuff and you think oh those guys are super slow and they can't get around in it very well oh no (laughs) they were born in that stuff and they can get it around in it pretty well yeah what we think we know about people in that era (laughs) Of like, mm-hmm. why are you wearing all those clothes in the summer heat? Right, it's because it keeps you cooler. People had yeah. better clothing. I they, they wore clothes clothing for like um, for um, for like uh, necessity and and survival. Mm-hmm. It wasn't about fashion as much as it was just surviving. Right. And they had different kinds of clothing for different kinds of days and different kinds of weather, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, but yeah. Oh, God, I'd love to write a Western. You, <laughs> you, you know, we ought to Peter Straub and Stephen King it. <laughs> but it's just like, That'd be fun. I write a chapter, send it to you. You write a chapter. I was going to do this with, with, with Ryan, but Ryan's like a busy dude and he didn't have the time. Oh, man. But I think it would be fun. Yeah, that would be fun. Like that. that would be a lot of fun. I could see it coming out uh, with a sci-fi aspect to it. I remember that old um, <laughs> 80s movie with, uh, oh, what was his name? The guy who played Remo Williams. He did, I think he was the one in it. He had a motorcycle that could go through time and he ended up in the Old West. Oh, gosh. I can't remember. And, uh, I've seen that movie before. Yeah, I can't remember what the why he did it or why he was yeah. there. It was an accident yeah. or what, but... Yeah, like time was a big thing at, at the moment. Time yeah. movies and yeah, like uh, Back to the Future. Yeah, but that was like really wild. Him uh, on a motorcycle and outracing the 
guys on horses. Another one that's kind of fun like that is, um, what is it, Cowboys and Aliens. Yeah. Yep. But my book would not be like that at all. It would not no. be like Cowboys and Aliens. <laughs> yeah. It would be like, he discovers something, right, Yeah. in the Old West, and it completely changes your mind about everything. Like, mm-hmm. why things are the way they are. Like, it totally turns everything upside down in, yeah. in, in, in his world. <clears throat> and then nobody believes him. <laughs> you know? Yeah. He's got to be the lone guy to fight this, you know, <laughs> before the world ends. You know, it's like... Oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, that's that was my idea for a Western. It would, oh, it would be, wow. be fun. Um, well, man, uh, so you're working on some new stuff right now. You've got mm-hmm. a new book out, A Novel Idea. You've got an amazing podcast, too. This, uh, oh, this Sandwich Chapter podcast is just Jeff's <laughs> kiss, you. man. It's the, hey, everybody, everybody should go check out episode three. My second guest ever, uh, Mr. Roger Colby, came on. <laughs> cool. <laughs> so. Yeah, back, back when I was a youngin'. <laughs> yeah, we we both were writer, yeah. we were both just like figuring it out yep. yeah and we still figuring it out but hey if you're a writer out there and you you know you have questions for podcasts or people that you'd like me to try to get to interview and stuff or you're a shoot you're a you're an indie writer like us and you just like to talk about your books or whatever i'm happy to do a podcast with you over zoom that's what i'm because uh, there you go Jason's in Jason's in Missouri and I'm in Oklahoma. We could do this Zoom thing. That's pretty sweet. <laughs> there you go. All right, man. Um, hey, it is so great to talk to you. And uh, you guys tune in next week. Not sure what I'm going to have next week. Uh, but tune in next week and we'll have more advice and more help and more just talking about being an indie writer. Um, until then, I'm Roger Colby. This has been Jason Meiske. And uh, until then, uh, just, you know, remember, here's the catchphrase. Writing is hard work. It is. But also, it also, the catchphrase is, um, you're not going to get your book written by just, you know, not doing it. You got to, it takes bum glue and fingers moving. Fingers moving, yep. Till next week, (laughs) take care. We'll see you.